0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Scouts Podcast, episode number 19, coming at you on Wednesday, July 7th. I am your host, Chad Workman, joined by fellow scouts Matt Nine and Andrew Woodruff. Thanks for joining us as we break down the NFC East today. We will get into the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles, and the Washington football team give you our lay of the land for uh each of these teams and their fantasy outlook in the meantime head on over to patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts producing tons of great content there and ffballallday.com head on over check out our work while you listen to the pod let's get into the show Going to run through the NFC East today, continuing on our division previews. If you uh missed last week, we previewed the AFC East, so go check that out. Today we're on to the NFC East. We've got the Dallas Cowboys, supposedly America's team. Uh Andrew, you're gonna lead us off with the Cowboys here. What do you got for us?
1: Yeah, so just kind of was looking at the team overall and just some of the thought process going in 2021. Uh, you can tell Jerry Jute uh, Good gosh, Jerry Jones made a very important decision this offseason saying his primary focus was going to be fixing that defense, which did not do super well last year. And it was very obvious after Dak went down just how bad that defense was getting. So we see a lot of their early draft picks was all defense. In fact, we don't see an offensive player, which was a tackle until almost the end of the fourth round going up there. So he's made a very high priority. Same thing with uh, free agency on getting defensive guys. That's going to make a difference. Uh, But, again, we're not in here for the defense, but that does have a correlation over to the offense. If they can shut more drives down against the opposing team, that could give the Dallas Cowboys more chances to score. And it's got quite a lot of opportunities of players that could score. So, starting off, you got your quarterback, Prescott. It looks like he is fully healthy. And the way people are drafting him, they're expecting him to be as well. Uh, I got no issues with what the reports I'm coming out with and seeing. I'm seeing him go normally somewhere near the back end of the first round of drafts, which is about QB four or five, six range. I think with what we've seen from before, he offers a very safe floor, at least at QB eight. So if you're reaching for that, you can probably get somewhere up there of an upper echelon quarterback performance out of this year. So I think that's a great move for him. Uh, I don't know if he's going to run quite as much, you know, recovering from that ankle surgery, but he's got the weapons to do a lot of damage regardless. And so that kind of goes over to probably my favorite person to draft right now from this team, uh, Zeke Elliott for that backfield. He is the guy going to be there for the running back. I know he's a little bit older in age from a couple years back when everybody was wanting him to be the first overall pick in drafts, if not the second behind CMC but Zeke is offering at a really good discount right now. He's going about RB 15, 16, based off ADPs. We're seeing him go right there around pick 40. So you're able to get a guy around the third round who had everything go wrong for him last year that possibly could. His star quarterback went down. Teams focused on him. They lost several offensive linemen, some of which will be back this year, it looks like. So everything that possibly went wrong for him last year, and he still was able to produce pretty well. I think Zeke's going to be one of those guys, like, if you're a contender, do what you can to go ahead and get him, because I think he's going to give you probably an RB1 season, right around RB8, 9. Potentially, again, we know his ceiling could be back in the top five if the Cowboys come out firing just like they did early last season. And so swapping it over, just kind of looking over uh, from running back over to receiver. I know the big two that everybody's looking at, it's going to be CeeDee Lamb and Mario Cooper. I think both those guys are going to be excellent options for you. Based off their ADPs, we're seeing CD Lamb go right there around pick 24 to 27. So it is a little worrisome for me, though, when I'm seeing people take him as a receiver one, possibly receiver two, depending on what you're doing in that second round and your third round combos. I I'm really worried just seeing that he's not going to live up quite to the hype I think we're going to get another uh, receiver two season out of it because what everybody's basing Lambs off of is those first five games. But the issue is Dak Prescott in a regular season last year, 16 games, he was at, he was on pace for 6,500 yards and almost 55 touchdowns. I believe that's just not a sustainable rate at all. And even if that defense gets better and gives the offense, a couple more chances to go score. If that's what you're basing it off of, you need to be careful. I think there's better options at similar ADPs that you can get a better return on. So between the receivers, I've kind of personally gotten off CD lamb selling for what you can for guys right around the same tier value plus some. And personally, I mean, even Amari Cooper over here, I think it's a better option right now because we know he's got that connection and for the value he's going right there around pick 64. So, 64 compared to 24 on a Cowboys receiver that has the same chance to lead in all categories from catches, targets, yards, and touchdowns. I think Amari Cooper's a little bit the safer bet. I ended up expecting them. Probably both going to be really high-end receiver twos by the time this season's done. And outside of that, there's not a lot of guys that I'd be sitting there looking for. You've got Michael Gallup. I think Gallup's a really intriguing option, especially for Dynasty players. The receiver three for a high-profile passing team like this, that's going to probably be putting up points because I don't know how much to all those new defensive guys will gel together, but I expect it to be a little bit better. But I think Gallup still offers that flex value, especially if one of these two guys go down, that he could be a person I'm looking to stash, especially if he's going right there at pick 130 where they've got him listed. I mean, at that point, you're in the double-digit rounds. You need some depth. And if you're in dynasty, I think Gallup offers an intriguing option because he looks like he may be the odd man out next year, and he has the talent to be a good receiver two on another team. If given the shot, maybe, maybe fighting for a receiver one position on that team. And then that kind of lastly leaves me with the tight ends. I know a lot of people last year were on the Blake Jarwin train thought he was a super great sleeper, but he tore his Achilles in week one. I don't know a lot of people that's going to come back from the Achilles tear for tight ends the following season end up being something. He's not really a guy I would be considering looking at, even with his ADP at 25 for tight ends. He could be worth a shot, but I end up thinking he's going to end up wasting a roster spot and you're going to swap him out with somebody on waivers week one. And similar to Dalton Schultz, I mean, if you want to, you got super deep leagues or maybe you start two tight ends. If you can get both those guys super cheap, pair them together you might get the Cowboys starting tight end throughout the season, which could be intriguing, again, talking about how I think the team's going to score a lot. But I think there's just better pivots to go with at that range. So overall, very excited. If you're looking for Cowboys players to play with on your rosters, I think you're going to be set up pretty well. But the big guys I'll be looking at against Dak Prescott, Zeke Elliott, and probably Amari Cooper for the price.
0: Yeah, I think it's uh interesting what you said there about the wide receivers because the the CD Lamb love is getting to be very high obviously and I love CD Lamb the player. But typically in these offenses when we see two wide receivers really succeed and have like two, you know, wide receiver 1 type seasons, it's in a very concentrated offense where they're really the only two targeted wide receivers or at least, you know, heavily targeted. This offense is unique because there's also Gallup, who's going to be a, you know, a pretty big factor and obviously the tight ends and then Zeke as well. So I really like Lamb, you know, long-term in dynasty, but I'm kind of tempering my expectations for him and, and maybe Cooper this year. And then um, I just, the only other thing I want to add is that I, I, th- I still think Zeke is maybe the safest one of the safest running backs, even though he had a down year last year, I think he was what RB nine. So I just think he's still one of the safest bets to make um, at least for this upcoming season, just because it's such a good offense and he doesn't really come off the field. So
1: he's going to be utilized in an every down type of role. Yeah. I mean, you, you said it exactly. Uh, I just went back and was looking at CD lamb and where the ADP was, Stefan Diggs is going after him, and Calvin Ridley, Devontae Adams is even going after him. And I understand you've got the Green Bay situation, but I would take any of those three receivers. Hands down, if I'm wanting to go compete in 2021 over C.D. Lamb, I think his value's just gotten a little too high, especially like you said. There's so many options, and I didn't even mention Tony Pollard, but I'd expect that dude. He's, he is going to get some type of touches. And I believe he's got a little bit of a receiving talent to get a couple passes thrown his way out of the backfield. So he's probably going to be the one guy I would say avoid at cost. But if you got him at a good price last year, of course, you want to plug him in, play him in a flex.
2: Yeah, I think one of the important things to mention, you know, kind of like you guys alluded to, like I'm not big on Zeke this year because I, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Mike McCarthy has ever had a top 12 fantasy running back. I could be wrong on that, but I feel like I saw that somewhere.
0: So well, wasn't wasn't Zeke RB nine last year? As like even with his down season, and that's I think might have totally been so playing. so,
2: so might have been might have been the first year last year. But it was you know a product Fair of not. the offense. Like you had the quarterback who couldn't throw, kind of thing. Right. So I, I just I don't know if we see that repeat. I will say though that I, I think in my opinion, Tony Pollard is a very good running back, and he honestly might be like the the elite of the elite handcuff running backs right now. Like if Zeke goes down, Tony Pollard is going to, you know, his value is just going to jump skyrocket tremendously. So if you don't have Zeke and you're looking for a late, you know, your RB five, RB six, I don't, I think Tony Pollard's a great pick, even in redraft this year. Um, Thank you, Andrew, for not hyping up Blake Darwin any more than Twitter is. I don't know why people are on him. Like it, it just, it blows my mind. Like, I understand that he's probably still going to come in and play ahead of Dalton Schultz, but Dalton Schultz is not just going to disappear. Like he, he produced very well. What he finished tight end eleven last year, so mm-hmm. I, th- I think I think you know it's going to be a committee at tight end more than anything else, which kind of hurts um, Blake Jarwin's supposed top five season that I keep seeing. And then uh, I do like C.D. Lamb for dynasty. I am curious as how uh, redraft this year is going to work for him and. He played in the slot. I think it was ninety-three percent of his snaps last year. So I remember a lot of the comparisons I was seeing was you know him versus Chase Claypool. Oh, I'd rather have CD Lamb. And you know some people even have him ranked as a wide as a dynasty wide receiver one right now. And I'm just like this guy's beating up on safeties, slot corners, and linebackers. Like that's not impressive when you got a guy like Chase Chase Claypool who's consistently winning on the outside against number one corners on a team. So I'm not saying CD Lamb is bad or he's not that dude, but I do have some reservations on him because i would like to see him play outside more rather than just in the slot so maybe that happens this year but he's definitely the wide receiver to own in dallas and dynasty because he's you know linked to Dak for what four or five more years and i think i don't think gallup will be back next year and amari cooper is probably gone after two years at most so he's definitely the wide receiver one there to own but yeah dallas offense um should should be pretty pretty nice to own this year i think
1: yeah, so just last little thing, I went ahead and looked it up—the exact position ADP that CD Lamb was going at. Uh, he was going as receiver five. So I mean, we see people on Twitter all the time talking about, "Yeah, I got him like receiver ten, receiver twelve, like around there." But these people are way overpaying just to get him in drafts, and yeah, that's just not the mentality I would go with. I got news for you guys
2: drafting CD it, it, above wide receiver ten. Like he's not—he's not, he's not going to finish his wide receiver five. Like it's just not going to happen.
1: Whereas Chase Claypool over here, since you mentioned him, he was going at receiver twenty three. So,
2: and I like I like him to finish that or better. Like that
1: makes sense to me. So, yeah, that's kind of wrapping up what I was looking at for this team.
0: Yeah, last thing I like that you mentioned Michael Gallup because I think he's I think he's actually a good player. Um, and I think he'll he'll probably get a shot. We we talked about the the free agent wide receiver class next this next off season being a little weaker. We think, you know, we've highlighted it with DJ shark a number of times, but Gallup's going to be probably one of the better wide receivers on the market. And I think he could definitely fill a, a bigger role with another team. So Absolutely. interesting uh dynasty ad there, especially if, you know, you have some, some room to kind of stash him and, and not have to rely on him this year, but uh, with that being said, let's uh, head on over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Matt, I know you have something to say about this quarterback, so the floor is yours.
2: Well, I feel like I've said everything that needs to be said about him. I have him as my Dynasty, I believe, 8. I updated it, Dynasty QB 8. Um, and I feel really good about that. And in redraft, I think he's a top five play this year. Um, his ADP is QB 11. That's probably, you know, depending on what your team construction looks like, I really, it's probably a good spot. I think it's a good bet. He finishes above that. Um, it's not quite at his ceiling. And if you get him later than that, then, you know, good for you, rock on, or even as your QB two, um, the Eagles last year were the fourth, uh, heaviest passing team. They had the fourth most pass attempts in the league. I think they're going to be top five again in 2021. I don't think that's going to fade off too much. Um, They were second in run block win rate last year and 11th in pass block win rate. So for all of those struggles that they had, they were still actually playing relatively well on the offensive line last year. And then this year they get, you know, hopefully the healthy unit that they were supposed to have last year back. So this year actually could be a really good year. I, I do think the Eagles are going to surprise a lot of people. Um, they had a really good off season as far as free agent signings. You know, I was kind of shocked that Anthony Harris, you know, signed there because he's one of the better strong safeties in the league came over from Minnesota. Um, and then Ryan Kerrigan signed there, you know, about a month ago. So, you see some of these guys, you know, sign there. And you're like, if the Eagles are going to be bad, why would these better players be signing there for one year deals? So I actually think the Eagles are going to be pretty competitive this year. I'm not entirely sure they win the NFC East, but I think they're going to, they're going to be there in the end. And if I'm not mistaken, the last five games on their schedule, maybe it's four games are all division opponents. So the NFC East is going to come down to literally the last quarter of the season, which I think it's going to be tons of fun to watch. Uh, We're going to move on to the running backs here. Uh, Miles Sanders, I think he finishes probably as a mid-range RB2. I think RB16 might be his ceiling, maybe RB15. I don't know if he gets above that. I do think he's going to be the guy first in the committee, so to speak. I think he's going to get a lot of the rushing work. I'm not entirely sure he's going to get a lot of the pass work. I think Gainwell is going to take a lot of that from him, which is ultimately going to cap his – upside that we'd like to see. And plus Jalen's also going to scramble some, you know, that's just part of his game it's part of who he is. So I just don't see Miles Sanders, you know, being drafted as to be your RB one. Like I would feel uncomfortable with Sanders as my RB one uh, DLF has him at uh, RB 18. I think that's, I think that's valued properly. I think that's right on, right on the spot there. So I, I would be comfortable with that you know, with him as my RB two. Uh, Gainwell is a nice PPR play redraft uh, kind of the same thing, you know, as Pollard. I don't think his upside is as elite, but if, you know, Sanders were to go down, you know, he missed a handful of games last year. I think Gainwell would be a really nice, really nice spot play in the flex for sure. Um, moving on to the wide receivers and I'm actually going to kind of throw the tight end in here because there's really only three viable pass catchers on this team it's Devonte Smith is Jalen Rager and it's Dallas Goddard. Um, Jalen, Rager is being drafted at wide receiver 47 and Devontae Smith is being drafted at wide receiver 26. I think they both finish around wide receiver 30. I don't think Devontae is going to live up to his hype. And I think Rager is going to outperform his ADP. This is going to be a wide receiver by committee approach. And then here is a bold take for you guys. I got a whole list of them as we go through these division previews that I'm going to throw out there. I 100% believe to my core that Dallas Goddard is going to lead the Eagles in targets. I really believe that. I believe Dallas Goddard is the wide receiver one for this team this year. Uh, When Sirianni was in Indianapolis, they ran two tight end sets 29% of the times, And 29% of the time. And Sirianni, since he's been in a position of – prominence I guess you could say offensive coordinator you know uh, assistant coach you know now a head coach or something like that he's never not had a tight end one in fact his worst finish was the weird combination of Colts tight ends we saw last year with Burton and Mo Cox other than that he's his tight end has always finished in the top five Dallas Goddard is going his tight end eight right now I think he is going to join that elite group that reaches 100 targets it's usually only four guys three to four guys a year that see 100 targets at at the tight end spot. I, I think he climbs into that, you know, you got your Kelsey Waddle, uh, Waller and Kittle. I think God, it's going to be that number four guy. I think he's, I think he's going to creep up into that. And I think next summer we're being like, you know, it's a big four, you know, depending on what happens with those other three guys, you know, maybe one of them drops depending on how their year goes or something like that. But I think Dallas Goddard is an absolute, buy right now for dynasty i would feel very comfortable with him as my tight end one i think he's going to dominate i mean you look at this roster and you're like Devonte smith is 6'2 but he's what 180 pounds you know soaking wet jalen rager's 5'11 or six foot whatever it is and he's a slot guy you know he's not a big guy and then and then you and then you go down the list you know jgr Sega, Whiteside, unless he's you know having some off season that's unheard of you know maybe in some alternate universe, he bounces back. I don't like Travis Fulgham at all. I th- actually think he's on the the cut bubble. The only big guy they have to, to catch the balls is Dallas Goddard, and he's going to take he's going to occupy the entire middle of the field. And uh, while you got you know safeties, you know uh, running with corners, you know on Devontae, you got uh, Rager in the slot. So I, I think this is going to be a very, very fantasy friendly offense. Um, I'm all in on, on Hertz at ADP. I'm all in on Goddard at ADP. I think Devontae Smith is a little high for my liking at 26. Cause then he's probably sliding in as your wide receiver two, maybe your wide receiver three, depending on how you drafted. I don't know about that. Um, Rager though, I absolutely love at wide receiver 47. I think he's, I think he's going to beat that ADP. Um, And I also think people are going to be surprised. I think Smith and Rager finished very close statistically. Um, I think Smith will out-target Rager by, you know, 15, 20-ish targets. But it wouldn't shock me if they're both, you know, between 800 and 900 yards and, you know, five, six touchdowns or something like that. Like, I feel like that's reasonable.
1: Okay, I just got to start off saying I love the Dallas Goddard part. I just had to go check it real quick. He's going out right now for the past month. He's tied in eight. So, I mean, you are definitely buying him at his floor. I can easily see. We do have to keep in mind there is an extra game this season. So, it might, it might not be the 100 target mark. It might be like 110. But either way, I think he's easily going to be over that. And I could see him for sure finishing top six with 100 plus targets. I mean, like, he's dude is that talented.
2: Like, think back to do, in a vacuum. Do you guys think Dallas Goddard is better than Eric Ebron? Yes. Yeah. As a complete sure. tight end, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, Eric Ebron finished, I think it was tied in two or tied in three on that Colts team. He had about 760-ish yards. He had 13 touchdowns. And he was playing with T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal. So now you've got Dallas Goddard playing with Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager, who I'm not entirely sure yet that that's a better wide receiver core. I think it is, but we haven't seen it play out. You know, Dallas Goddard could easily have 800 yards and 13 touchdowns. Like, he could fill that same role in that Sirianni offense. Like, there was no tight end two. And we can believe that the Eagles are not going to run tight end two sets because, one, they're trying to trade Zach Ertz. We know that. He's not going to be on the team regardless at this point, we're pretty sure. And then they re-signed Richard Rodgers. Richard Rodgers doesn't jump out to me as a guy who's, like, screaming tight end two sets, you know, that guy, I got to have him. It's it's Dallas Goddard, and then the clear backup is Rogers. So I love Goddard this year.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that take, and I'm with you on. I think Rager and Smith will be fairly close this year, but how? What do you see like in the long term, Matt? Do you have like at their cost, obviously? But I guess how do you see that wide receiver group playing out long term?
2: As long as
0: Sirianni is there,
2: I think they're always going to be neck and neck because Rager is very good after the catch. So if he breaks. You know, two or three screens, two or three slants throughout the year for 60 yard, you know, plus touchdowns. That's going to keep him in contention with Smith as far as total fantasy points go. Now I understand those are fluky, but he's going to be a big part of this offense. Like Devontae is the clear uh, X, and then you got uh, what you call it Rager in the slot, and then one of Greg Ward, Fulgham, whoever their wide receiver three is, is going to play on the opposite side. So. I think they're always going to be close. I think Rager's a great value, unless he's just not who we thought he was, unless he just stinks in this offense again. And then in that case, you know, Devonte's the guy. But I think Rager is better than he was last year, and I think Devonte is being drafted at his ceiling right now. And it's not because I think Devonte is bad. Like I understand he's probably the best wide receiver in college football history. I think he's won every award a wide receiver can possibly win. I just don't think that's how the offense rolls like he does Sirianni, his scheme, the, what what he's been saying, what his the past three years in Indianapolis have told us, you know, they don't rely on one guy. It's, it's a committee approach. You know, we're going to design plays to our players' strengths and get the ball in their hands. I mean, that's just the way it is. So I like Rager at his value. And like I said, I think Smith at 26 is being overdrafted.
1: I wish it was 26. The, the information I'm looking at, is going to receiver 20.
2: So, I am on no, June. Well,
1: yeah, I got rid of his. Uh, okay. D, so started. DLF has not
2: updated. So it says 26, but regardless, the 20 to 26 mark, it's it's too high.
1: Fair enough. Would you be comfortable if he was your receiver three then? Absolutely. Okay.
2: I'll say, uh, and I, w- I would also be comfortable if Rager was my wide receiver three.
1: I think I definitely but, but,
2: but you don't but you don't have to have him as your three like you can get him as your five or your six because he's left the bad taste in you know uh people's mouths from last year. Yeah, I'm just saying sorry. like if it came Absolutely. to it, if you did if you did the whole fade fade wide receivers, you know, you got four or five stud running back, quarterback mixture or whatever it is, and then that's just kind of where you end up, then it is what it is, but I
0: like it. All right. Um, the Eagles, we know, Matt, you could talk about Hurts all day, but I think you've sold us go all on him. Jalen Hurts. There you go. And, uh, yeah, good breakdown. I don't have any, you know, hot takes to really add to that Eagles offense. I think Goddard is a tremendous buy at this point. But uh, agree with pretty much um, all you said there. But let's move to the football team. Uh This offense went from not being very exciting and not having a lot of weaponry to all of a sudden, you know, I'm excited to talk about them. They, they added some pieces over the the off season, the big one, obviously being Ryan Fitzpatrick, Um, you know, in terms of his value as a quarterback, I think, I think he's probably like a, a better best ball play. I think you're going to see some highs and lows from him throughout the season, uh, probably more relevant in a two quarterback league. But like I said, I, I like him in best ball, you know, probably not looking at him as a weekly starty weekly starter in a one QB league. Uh, but where he really brings a lot of value is just what he's going to bring to the the rest of the skill position guys. I mean, I'm also interested because he hasn't really, I mean, I don't remember the last time he went into the season as the starter, um, I guess, in New York back in the day. But really, I mean, he took over in Tampa, and that was exciting, but he wasn't really the unquestioned starter. Um, Maybe in 2019 in Miami he was, but obviously, you know, they brought in Tua there. So I'm just kind of excited to see what he can do, you know, with an offseason being uh, kind of the guy there. But I think he's going to bring a lot of value just – to the offense as a whole. Um, Terry McLaurin specifically, he's, uh, one of my favorite dynasty wide receivers. I think he's just extremely, extremely talented kind of gives me Antonio Brown vibes and he hasn't had a good quarterback to play with yet. And you just look at his numbers every year and, um, you know, his unrealized air yards, 668 last year, number 13 in the league. So, And, and, you know, he's a guy that can get open downfield and then you pair him with a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who obviously we know he's willing to sling it. He's not afraid to push the ball downfield. I think he was nine. Yeah. Ninth overall in yards per attempt last year. So, you know, he's a guy that's going to push the ball downfield and McLaurin's certainly a guy that, that can, you know, get open downfield and, and make plays. McLaurin's going as wide receiver 12 right now. That's probably about right, but there's a few guys ahead of him. Uh, you know, I take him over. DJ Moore is going wide receiver 11. Uh, Even at this point, I mean, I'd rather have McLaurin than Calvin Ridley. I don't know if that's a hot take considering, you know, what's gone on in Atlanta, but give me McLaurin there uh Jamar Chase is going ahead of McLaurin and and you know I understand the potential of Chase but I just think McLaurin's a really really good player and with Fitzpatrick on board and and you know assuming that 17 game season I think we're looking around like 1300 plus yards for McLaurin this year and and potentially uh you know scoring more touchdowns even than he has uh you know in in past years I mean trying to pull up his numbers from last year how many touchdowns did he score yeah four four so I mean you know the the offense is probably gonna get better and he he still had 1,118 yards and that's you know, with a mix of Haskins, Alex Smith, Kyle Allen, Taylor Henneke. We just haven't seen what McLaurin can do with a quarterback who can get the ball downfield. So I'm really excited to see him. Um, Obviously, this team brought over uh, Curtis Samuel, who had somewhat of a breakout year in Carolina last year, had a really good year. But we know he's played under this staff before, and he hasn't necessarily been utilized the best. To his strength, so I'm very curious to see kind of what what they do with him and and how he you know how he translates over. But I expect his numbers to be fairly similar. Last year, he finished with 851 yards receiving on 97 targets, and had 41 rush attempts for 200 yards, and added a couple touchdowns on the ground. And I expect this team to to utilize him. You know, ideally kind of the way that Joe Brady and and Matt Rule did last year. But again, I'm just curious to see because I I don't think they utilized him very well when this coaching staff uh, was in Carolina. But the interesting thing with bringing Curtis Samuel in is that this is a team that has Antonio Gibson, who we all want to catch more passes. J.D. McKissick, who catches a ton of passes. Obviously Logan Thomas saw a lot of targets kind of over the short middle last year. Um, And they did draft Diami Brown, but they also signed Adam Humphreys. Now I don't think Humphreys is a huge factor, but I think, you know, those two guys primarily run out of the slot. And so it'll just be really interesting to see how those kind of slot targets get divvied up. But I think, you know, I think Curtis Samuel's in line for about what we saw last year, but I do think that's honestly just him as a player. I think that's kind of his ceiling is what you saw last year. So I'm not betting on any, um, you know, real step forward for Samuel, but he's another weapon for this offense. Um, Antonio Gibson, he went over a thousand yards or his goal, goal, I should say is to go over a thousand yards rushing this year. That is the word out there. And you know, I believe he can do it. Um, admittedly he is my RB 14 in dynasty, which is probably a little lower than, than most. I know he's, you know, consensus a little higher, but a lot of that is just the guys in front of him. I mean, you know, even these second year guys that are in the league right now looking at you know jk dobbins i'd rather have him looking at uh cam acres you know deandre swift ceh all these guys in mass I, I see both of you guys
2: cam acres oh look my.
0: i have a lot to, we'll talk about acres another time i have a lot to say but he's he's my rb9 here's the thing as i go down and you know run through this offense i'm gonna tell you that J.D. McKissick and Logan Thomas are two big regression candidates for me. They saw a combined 220 targets last year, 110 each. J.D. McKissick saw he was number one in terms of slot snaps for running backs. He was number one in targets overall, but he ran out of the slot a lot. And I just don't think that's going to continue this year because they signed – you know, real slot receivers. So I think he's going to take, you know, he's still going to have some value. I think he's going to be a regression candidate, but he is still going to eat into McKissick or I'm sorry, eat into uh, Gibson's overall receiving volume. Right. I mean, 110 targets last year, like I said, that's certain to be reduced, but is Gibson really going to see, he saw what 44 targets last year? I think he's probably going to get closer to eighty. Uh, how many 80. I was going to say like 65, 70. Um, and then I see McKissick coming down. I think him and McKissick will see a similar share of targets. I still think McKissick probably edges him a little bit. I think McKissick maybe's in like the 75 range with Gibson, like 65, 70, but I think it's, it's going to even out. Um, And I think, McK- I think Gibson rushes for, you know, around a thousand yards, maybe a little over. But if he, the one player, if there's one player in the NFL that has CMC type capabilities and upside, it is Gibson, right? I mean, maybe, maybe Saquon, you know, maybe there's a few guys, but Gibson is really the one player, you know, like I said, I have him at RB 14. I'm still not fully sold, but if McKissick wasn't there or they just stopped utilizing him in that fashion, And then, you know, Logan Thomas sees less targets. I think Gibson is one of those players that has a tremendous amount of upside. I just can't quite get on board because this offense is kind of flush with, uh, with pass catchers and and just talented playmakers now. And I'm just not sure he's going to see over 65, 70 targets. Um, You know, maybe 14s, RB 14s a little too low in terms of dynasty ranking, but I just can't really move him much higher. Um, and then, you know, so I talked about McKissick a little bit. Logan Thomas, again, another regression candidate. He saw 110 targets last year. I just don't see any way, you know, a 30-year-old breakout tight end with the additions that this offense has made last year. I just don't see a way Logan Thomas can get into the triple digits and targets again uh, after seeing 110 last year. I mean, this – like I said, they added Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys out of the slot. I think they relied a lot on McKissick and Thomas, not because they're great players, but because they just – they didn't have a lot of options. Now, Logan Thomas did have a strong year last year. He, Like I said, on 110 targets, he finished with 670 yards and six touchdowns. So he had a strong year. I don't think he's going to completely go away, but I think 110 targets is – just far and away the most he's he's gonna see. And if you follow, you know, any of my work or my articles, you know that I wrote a an article right after the season finished on tight ends to buy, sell, and hold. And and Logan Thomas was a sell candidate for me. So I hope you sold him right after the season. I think he's going as uh what is it? Tight end 14 right now. So I mean at that point he's probably best served, you know, as a secondary tight end in a two tight end league, maybe a backup tight end, but I don't see him finishing as a tight end one again this year. If he does, it'll be kind of on the fringes there. Uh, But I think the biggest takeaway for me in this offense is McLaurin. I really think the sky's the limit for this guy with Fitzpatrick under center. And, you know, I would not be surprised if he's a top, I don't know, six, seven wide receiver uh, at the end of the season. What do you guys think? You think he can get there? No. Okay. Tell me why. Uh, He's finished as wide receiver
2: 29 his rookie year and wide receiver 20 last year. I don't, I don't, I I feel like he's being valued at his ceiling at wide receiver 12. Was it you said? Yes. Something, something like that. Yep. I I just, I don't, I don't see it. Not because he's not bad, but I don't feel like he's ever going to finish in the, the top 12 I guess I feel like you know the the 13 to 15 range maybe 12 but that 12 to 15 range I think is is the sweet spot I don't think top six that's that's a little
0: spicy for me what do you think Andrew is that spicy
1: I was gonna say so the numbers you mentioned those were based off end of the year right but McLaurin hasn't quite finished a full season out so his rookie year he only played 14 games Uh, Last year, he only played 15 games. Uh, Last year, I remember a lot of people, because I I put a nice thread on this, just talking about it, Um, McLaurin was being valued right there around receiver 29. And so if you were looking at that and you were able to get it, I mean, for 15 games, he probably was a little bit higher than receiver 20 before he missed his last game. And I think he got a good value. Now, if he's being – Valued around receiver 12. He, again, he's going to be the focal receiving weapon for Fitzpatrick-led offense. And Fitzpatrick, if he plays the full season, three out of the four seasons he's played most of the games, he's finished right there at a back end, QB one. I think McLaurin could be of good value for most people, even though I don't know if, if he's quite got that receiver one ceiling on him. It's all going to come down pretty much to how many touchdowns he gets. Personally, I like it. I think he has a chance to just match his career touchdowns in two seasons just this year if things fall right. Redskins got – the Washington football team has a fantastic defense. I think it's going to give them a lot of chances. Uh, This division has a tendency to do some nice shootouts and get some points going for you. So I think he's going to be the primary target benefit. And with that, I think he's going to get right there close to where you're getting at in the draft him right now. See I I
2: think for me it's not so much as it's like I don't like McLaurin but I just it it's it's Ryan Fitzpatrick it's it's the offense as a whole I mm-hmm. think it's going to run through Antonio Gibson now I understand Ryan Fitzpatrick you know everybody has all these cool stats over the past few years you know how much he still pushes the ball down the field and that's that's great and all but this guy he's a journeyman in the NFL for a reason like he's not great he's okay and he turns the ball over pretty frequently. So I feel like, you know, there are going to be a lot of possessions that Washington doesn't get because he's thrown in a touchdown or, excuse me, an interception. So in order to avoid that, you run the ball. I think Gibson's in for a big, uh, you know, 80 targets is, is what I said earlier. I think I think he is going to hit his 1,000-yard mark. I actually think outside of the quarterback position, I think Gibson leads the team in touchdowns. I, th- I think he will score 10-plus touchdowns this year. I think it's well within the range of outcomes. Um, and then McLaurin is the only other guy that you want because he is the primary focus in the passing game. I think I'm not as high on as you are on chat on J.D. McKissick. I actually think Curtis Samuel takes a lot of that work that McKissick saw last year. Um, Logan Thomas will still get some, but not a lot. But the one name that I haven't heard yet is Daimi Brown. I actually think he is going to be a solid option across from McLaurin on the outside. Um, I would not count him out. Um, I'm not sure he finishes as a top 30 guy, but I don't think it's irrational to think he finishes around wide receiver 40, 45. Like if they're going to throw, if they, I mean, if they're going to play from behind, which they probably won't because their defense is very good. Like I think he's going to be more involved than people think. And we actually know somebody who also says the same thing.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I do like Damian Brown. I, I'm a little, uh, he's a dinosaur
2: stash right now. Yeah. You you hope um, for a good rookie year. That's all.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm just maybe not quite as optimistic on his rookie year. I also, I feel like Adam Humphreys kind of throws a wrench into it. Like Humphreys is good enough to like play and, and, you know, be a part of the offense, but he could hold up Damian Brown a little bit. He's just on a one year deal, you know, he, they could probably cut him as well. But I think there's a decent chance that Humphreys sees a little bit more than Brown, at least, you know, through the first half of this season. But I do like Daomi Brown, you know, in, in terms of dynasty in the long haul. um Yeah.
2: Just one last thing. Yeah. For, the, for those of you guys listening, I think what you're seeing on Twitter, you just need to be mindful of this. Do not put so much faith and trust is what I'm seeing on my timeline, at least into Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a backup for a reason. So just be hesitant on that.
0: For sure. I agree with that. And that's kind of why I said, I think he's a better like best ball quarterback. Cause you're going to see some booms and some busts from him. I think he'll have some big Which games and some very low games. to
2: temper your expectations on McLaurin. He is talented, but, but, but I'm not sure he finishes as a wide receiver one.
0: Okay. Alex Smith coming back off of, a horrific injury, Dwayne Haskins, Kyle Allen, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Taylor Henneke. Most of those guys aren't even journeymen, you know, (laughs) like, so I think this is enough of an upgrade, just a guy that can, again, just push the ball downfield. I'm not expecting, you know, Tom Brady in there, but I think it's big enough upgrade to see a spike from McLaurin.
2: Just temper expectations.
0: That's all. Not
2: saying he can't, or not saying he can't, I'm just, I'm not banking on it. If you get that production, I think that's a bonus, but I would expect a back-end wide receiver, mid-range to back-end wide receiver
1: two finish. See, I don't know if I'd say back-end wide receiver two, but I feel like he's going to be a boom-bust candidate. So be careful if he's, man, I hope he's your receiver two, most offenses in this type of setup. That way, if he does go off one week, that's great you're winning, but if he's your receiver two, receiver three, depending on when you've decided to draft, you can play some of those weeks off with your more consistent guys up above him. Uh, between the two, personally, though, I will say, if I'm betting on a position one finish on anyone on this team, I will go Gibson.
2: Absolutely. Over this, this offense is going to run through Gibson.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I don't know if you remember, but... There was a wide receiver in Miami that was labeled a bust, a first-round pick uh, until Ryan Fitzpatrick got to town. He had a 1,200-yard season with nine touchdowns, breakout year. Do you you think Ryan Tannehill is a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean – (laughs) <laughs> the Miami well look yes I a lot of that, a animal. lot of that had
2: to do with who was standing on the sideline coaching
0: that's that's for sure so the, the but I'm just saying like Fitzpatrick, uh, yeah yeah um yeah anything else to add in this offense I think we all agree Logan Thomas is a regression candidate uh Gibson I th- I th-
2: yeah I think McKissick is too I wouldn't put too much faith in him
0: and even at you know even RB fourteen in Dynasty for me with with uh, I still might move him up. I like Gibson. I just have this a hard is. time putting him over some of these guys. But he has such a high ceiling. I so
2: DLF ADP has him at RB ten for last for June. They don't have July yet.
0: If you,
2: I I think I think RB ten is great because I think he finishes above that. So if he's like your RB two or something like that, you're sitting
0: pretty. So I just want to. So I have – I have Javante – so I have him at 14. So I have Javante Williams at 13. I have Ezekiel Elliott at 12. Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 11. Uh, J.K. Dobbins at 10. Cam Akers at 9. Aaron Jones at 8. So I'm just saying like – I think every every name you just named, I think Gibson finishes better than. Okay. Interesting. I – and I hope I haven't fallen
2: into the Twitter
0: trap. I think his ceiling is so high. I just am not quite there on him. And I, I'm, I think, you know.
2: I, I think we'll know early. I think, you know, the end of week two, maybe week three, we will see, you know, it's three weeks in a row, you know, he's had 20 carries and seven targets, you know. I think yeah. we're going to know early if he's going to be that heavily involved.
0: Yeah, I think we'll be able to tell if it's – uh Antonio Gibson season or Terry McLaurin season hopefully both but uh well let's talk about the Giants I I guess I guess we have to do that um Matt do you want to start us off with the Giants how do you feel about Daniel Jones and this offense
2: so I'm, I'm gonna keep it short and sweet on Daniel Jones it's a make or break year for him like if he stinks it up again then that's that's it for Daniel Jones he might get a second opportunity somewhere um, you know, maybe Pittsburgh next year is a, is an option for him, but I it's make a break. He has, he throws a really nice deep ball. I know, I don't know his exact numbers off the top of my head, but he has no excuse to not succeed this year. He's got a healthy Saquon back. They went out and they got Kenny Galladay paid him a whole bunch of money. They drafted Tony, you got Shepard, you got Slayton, who's not bad. Um, so you got all these weapons, your offensive line looked really competent the last few weeks six seven weeks of last season. Like, you know, Wayne Gallman was having some really strong games. So I feel like they're jailing. That defense I think is very mm-hmm. underrated. So I feel like this could be a good football team. They're very well coached, but it kind of you know revolves around Daniel Jones as I think is how far they will go. Um Saquon coming back. I would not fade him. I would not hesitate. You know, I he's my dynasty RB1 still. I don't I don't care. I mean there's videos about here of him out there just from a few weeks ago um doing some crazy agility jo- drills excuse me in the sand and that's impressive especially at this point in it. we still have two months ish to go um for him to continue to train and work so i don't think they're going to hold him back week one like the report is i know it's shying a lot of people away but mm-hmm. i mean he came off a high ankle sprain like after two weeks and he got a full workload his first week back so you know, if, if we get to the end of the preseason and he looks like the Saquon of old, they're going to roll him out week one, 20, 25 touches. I don't, wouldn't hesitate at all. Um, and then for Kenny Galladay, I, I've been seeing the term fake alpha getting thrown around. I think he's had, was it 116 targets two years ago and 119 last year, but then the threshold to be an alpha is 120. So it feels very arbitrary to say he's a fake alpha. Um, I get the same kind of sense, you know, with last year with Diggs. um, Not in the sense that uh, Daniel Jones is going to take a jump like Josh Allen did, but, you know, the Bills gave up a first for Diggs. They're not going to not throw him the ball a lot. You know, they just paid Kenny Galladay, what was it, over $100 million. They're not going to not throw him the ball a lot. Like, Kenny Galladay is going to be targeted like crazy. Now, what he does with them and whether Daniel Jones can deliver those accurately, we'll have to wait and see. But he is the clear alpha, not fake alpha, alpha wide receiver on this team. And I, and I do think he hits 120 20 target marks since apparently that's that's the number we all like to call somebody an alpha. Um, as for Evan Ingram, it, you know, Andrew and I, we have the, the tight end metric he graded out. I believe it was the second best tight end since 2014. Um, the guy's super athletic. He just has really bad hands for some reason. I don't, I don't know what the deal is. So hopefully... You know, he hit the jug machines this offseason. Um, he puts a strong campaign together because he absolutely has what it takes. He's one of the most gifted tight ends in the league right now, physically uh, and athletically. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, based off what we've seen, though, not super comfortable with him as my tight end. One would probably feel better at a tight end, two. Um, But he definitely has, you know, top three finish upside. So we'll have to wait and see. But that's how I feel about the Giants. What about you guys?
1: So starting off, let's go ahead and let's get into the whole Gallaudet discussion and the alpha or not term. Um, when he got 119 targets that season, he was also doing it where Matthew Stafford was only his quarterback for like six games. So the fact that he was able to have that kind of production with the back, and I can't even tell you the name of the backup quarterback at that point, but the dude had 119 targets in produced. It was probably Chase Daniels. It may – yeah, I think that may have been it. Uh, And I went ahead and looked. Like, he's going right there around pick 81. And so, for the value that you're getting of a guy that you know is going to be the receiver one of the team, like, they've – sitting there, they've made a very obvious sign. Like, they have given him this much money and said, we trust your talent. We know what you can do. And he's going still at receiver 27. Like that's an easy take. If you're doing a startup or if somebody's still that low of, of an opinion on him, I'll take that easy. There's nothing wrong with him as far as that part. The only concern you got to do worry about is the fact that, yeah, okay, he came off an injury last year, so you just want to make sure that he's sitting there and he's recovered correctly. But you can get him as your receiver three. The talent upside of the ceiling on him is massive, so I would easily say he was the number one guy I would go for in most drafts when it comes to this team, Saquon, you're getting him right there around the end of the first round, start of the second round or mid seconds is what I'm being, what I'm seeing right now. So for a guy who has a top three ceiling, I mean, that's fantastic. Not a whole lot more to go on that part. Uh, Daniel Jones is going to be the interesting one because like if, when I check Twitter and New York giant Twitter as a whole, they are still vividly defending this guy. And like, it's rough. I mean, The talent's there, but it always worries me when you're consistently defending a guy who is a one-year starter in college because that track record just does not look good when it gets to the NFL. And essentially for everything purpose-wise, Daniel Jones was basically a one-year starter, I believe, out of Duke before he came up and got drafted in the first round. And, I mean, this was people with Mitchell Trubisky, I think, one, two years ago now. So... I get it. If you're in the Superflex League, if you get him at your QB3, go for that upside. It makes sense. But I might be looking to uh, switch him around with somebody around his same ADP in the swap for any kind of other quarterback I can be looking for. And, Matt, I'll say you're a little bit more optimistic on Evan Egeron than I am. Obviously, I agree. The talent center. I don't know if
2: I'm optimistic (laughs) at
1: all. (laughs) But, I mean, you didn't even mention the fact that he still struggles to stay on the field. Not only does yeah, he struggle with drops, but he struggles with health. I think I'd rather go ahead and take that shot and get Sterling Shepard, who I think will end up outproducing him this season. And, I mean, and that's that's because I think Shepard, as a slot weapon, will see enough targets and do enough and stay on the field long enough that for, if you're looking for an end-of-season the season grade, he'd be the guy I'd be going for at that point in drafts. Kadarius, Tony, I mean, he's all over the place. Some people love him. Some people hate him. I'm not a big fan of him because it took him until his senior year just to start doing anything. That was without pits on the field. Yeah. and I mean, yeah, he had to have pits on the field just to get separation as far as coverage-wise, too. And the people he was getting stuck behind as juniors, sophomores, freshmen, I mean, I don't know, Matt, Chad, can the, either of y'all name the- or- the court, uh, receivers that were ahead of him going before that season. Yeah, I can I
2: can name one actually. Yeah, can name one, right? Because he's yeah. His name was Seahawks. Freddie Swain. And for those of you listening, if you don't know who that is, that's like the Seahawks wide receiver four, who should be the wide receiver three. But that, I think that's the point Andrew's trying to make here.
1: Yeah, dude was drafted in the sixth round, so like it's not like he was getting buried by NFL competition like the Justin Jefferson argument was last year. So I'd be very careful. I haven't end up with him in any drafts because someone was always mm-hmm. taking him early to mid-second, which was just way out of my range. I was taking anybody else I can at that point. So, overall, I mean, that's kind of my perspective on the team going forward for this season.
0: Yeah, I think overall we're we're all pretty much on the same page. Uh, I will add that they did sign Kyle Rudolph as well. Not that he's a huge threat at this point, but, like, if Ingram's banged up, I mean, I was a little optimistic, optimistic on ingram last year just because it it seemed like they were trying to feature him and really get him the ball but you know bringing in kyle rudolph uh who will stay on the field if ingram can't uh and then obviously you know they have more receivers and more uh more people to distribute the ball around to. i'm i'm pretty uh pretty out on ingram but i think Barkley like you said Matt do not fade Barkley he is this offense is obviously going to run through him but it is Daniel Jones make or break year I think Kenny Galladay did you say he was overall ADP of 81 is that what you said Andrew uh
1: overall ADP of 81 positional ADP of receiver 27 okay so the body of receiver three like I think his ceiling is much higher especially if you or of the opinion that Daniel Jones is going to step up this year and even get closer to a rookie type season that he had when it comes to the touchdown department and things like that. Like, I think he's a good value for you getting him.
0: Totally, I would smash there. Uh, DLF has him at fifty-five overall wide receiver, twenty-three. So that's a huge difference. You don't really see that across sites. So it's interesting. Galladay's, uh, I guess a I don't know a controversial player there but i i would definitely like he'd be an awesome you know if you if he's your wide receiver three i love that but wide receiver two you know i expect him to kind of be a middling wide receiver two what do you got what do you got to add here matt
2: yeah i was just going to say that i'm not necessarily in on evan ingram i don't think he's a top even 15 play this year but just you know based on, you know, the stuff we know about him, his ability, some of the flashes we've seen, you know, if he can put it together, he has that top three upside. Like he's, he's very gifted in that regards. And then I also have this, a question I want to post to you guys, right? So let's look into the future a little bit. Okay. But roll with me here on this one. Um, let's say for purposes of discussion, Daniel Jones doesn't get it this year. Okay. We come to the end of the season Well, Daniel Jones was handpicked by Dave Gettleman. So if Daniel Jones is no longer on the roster, there's probably a good bet that the GM is no longer on the roster, right? Which would mean a new GM would come in and unless they're going to trade for somebody like Deshaun Watson, if he hasn't been traded or Russell Wilson, or, you know, take on a bridge quarterback or something like that, you know, they'll probably draft somebody because they'd be in a position in order to get somebody. So what what happens if we get you know six seven eight weeks into the twenty twenty one season, and Daniel Jones just is flopping the bed every week? Do we think that's a good time to sell Kenny Galladay in Dynasty? You know, get what you not necessarily get what you can, but if you can get flip him for somebody, because then you're going to have a rookie quarterback incoming the next year, probably or a bridge guy. Not sure we're going to see you know top what is his ADP top twenty three top twenty seven after that at least for a few years. And he's there for four or five. So he's only getting older and the quarterback is still going to be, I, you know, I just, I wonder if that's something to keep an eye on.
0: I mean, I think it is, that's a good point, but I I wouldn't just sell him just to get rid of him. I like, I oh, think all of these I mean, well, I, I mean like even just, you know, obviously it depends what you can get and, and all that stuff, but I don't know. I guess my point is, I don't know if I would just be jumping ship unless something really made it worth it. I, I just, I keep going back to, you know, the last full season Galladay played was what was it? 1200 yards and, and nine touchdowns, I think, or 11 touchdowns rather. So I just, I think he's actually a good player. And I mean, he's such a big bodied guy that, you know really high points the ball i don't know if he needs i think he's one of those guys that you know can play with bad quarterbacks but it'll be interesting because he's only played with stafford but i think he'll be fine i think he'll be fine with daniel jones and i i wouldn't be surprised if he's just a solid wide receiver too with a bridge quarterback or whoever you know comes and goes i think that's kind of who he is and i got one more bold
2: take for you guys ready okay let me pull this up real quick
0: let's hear it i'm on the edge of my seat. Saquon
2: Barkley is going to have a thousand rushing yards or more, a thousand or more rushing yards on 200 or less carries. Wow.
0: Why do you think?
2: I think he's going to average five and a half yards per carry for this season. I really think that this is going to be a bounce back season because if you break down his yards and his touchdown over the games he's played over the last you know, two years and three games, whatever it was last year, he averages 100 yards and a touchdown a game. That's insane. And we saw Wayne Gauman play really well at the end of last year. So if this O line does has clicked like we think it has, there's no reason for him not to run ragged, assuming he has no setbacks. So that's a bold take. I think we see Saquon. I think he's going to challenge for you know 16, 17, hundred total yards this year. I really do
0: so just to be clear because i thought when you were making the claim i thought you meant he was going to see 200 or less carries but you're you're saying he's going to hit a thousand by his 200th carry carry, which makes a little more sense and i think yeah i I think
2: five and a half i might have done the math wrong it's it's between five and a half or six yards a, a tote so
0: i feel like andrew looks like he has his calculator out so i was waiting for confirmation on that but um
1: I wasn't calculating that. I was kind of actually looking at his first half of the season schedule, and I was like, is that actually even doable? And, I mean, it does seem like there is a path there for him to hit 1,000 yards by 200 carries. I mean, you can go back even to his rookie year. He had 261 attempts for 1,300 yards, which is just a little over five yards per carry. So, if this line has taken a step forward, and, I mean, it was 18th last year in the run block uh, win percentage, I mean, if it takes a little bit more step forward, I mean, the talent level that he has, sure. I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable.
2: And, yeah, and, I- and two 200 carries, if we were just to play it safe, that's about 12 a game. He needs at least basically 12 a game over the course of 17 games. So if he has more than that, you know, several games, he'll hit that mark sooner.
1: Yeah, and- he will.
0: And I think he's a guy that's going to be up there near the lead and running back targets as well. I mean, I, yep. I think he's going to have, I don't know, 500 receiving yards or so, and yep. he's probably won't, you know, get up to a hundred targets or anything, but at maybe 80 and kind of in that range. So, you know, he's a guy that could definitely be a, an RB, like the bona fide RB one kind of the way we've been talking about CMC. So, all right. That is the NFC West in a nutshell. Um, a lot of good stuff today. This is always a the fun division. NFC West or the NFC East? NFC East. Did I say West? Yes. <laughs> and if you didn't,
2: I'm leaving this in here and I'm going to look like an idiot. So we'll find out tomorrow.
0: I'll trust, I'll trust you because, uh, sometimes when I, you know, I just get talking and then I forget what I say. So I'll trust you on that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, fun division. Uh, Thanks everybody for being here. We'll continue these division previews. Not sure which division is next, but join us next week for another division preview. In the meantime, remember to head on over to ffballallday.com and patreon.com backslash fantasy scouts. Check out our content. There is a lot of it coming through this off season, and. Very excited about it. A lot of good work. I've I've been enjoying reading, you know, our other writers work uh, this offseason. A lot of good stuff. So go check it out and we will catch up with you next week on the Fantasy Scouts podcast where we bring you inside info you won't get anywhere else.